Hey, this is Gary Peel from the band Boston, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. On today's show, we're talking with Gary Peel, one of the guitarists for the band Boston. Right now, Boston is right in the middle of their current hyperspace tour where no band has gone before. It has kicked off across the country with Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Gary Peel. Hey, thank you, Janine. Nice to talk to you again here. You too. I know you are right in the midst of traveling. You're on tour, so I appreciate you taking the time. Tell me about this tour. It's called Hyperspace Tour. How did that come about? Well, since last year was our 40th anniversary tour, so it seems anticlimactic to call it the 41st anniversary tour. (laughs) So we came up with Hyperspace, and that's, of course, where no band has gone before, or as we like to say, it's a small step for a band, but a giant leap for band time. I love it. When I was little, I remember staring at the album cover, the one that just took off, you know, like wildfire, and staring and I'm going, that's an electric guitar. I mean, that was so clever. Tom told me uh, a little bit of the story there that when they, you know, they wanted to use the name Boston, and the record company came up with some ideas, and of course, uh, for the album cover, and one of them was a pot of Boston baked beans. <laughs> no. And Tom wasn't real thrilled with that. And then they all came up with something that was called Boston cabbage, so a head of cabbage, and he wasn't thrilled about that one either. And then some artists came up with that concept of the exploding earth and the cities escaping, all with their own little pods, which, of course, looked like guitars. Yeah, so what uh. a concept, and, and yeah, we've <laughs> stuck with it all these years. Oh, it's just just so lasting. It's just amazing. I do want to have you talk a little bit about your backstory. First into music, what's your connection with Jerry Garcia? That's a pretty cool story. Well, when I was in high school, I was in a high school rock band, and the other guitarist in the band said, hey, there's this guy giving lessons in the next town over. He's really good. We should all take lessons from him. So he went down there, and this guy was really good, and the best thing about it was he was a good teacher, and of course, good players are not always good teachers. But he talked taught us some cool stuff and understood where we were, because we were just young teenagers, you know. And we went to see his band play. They were called the Warlocks. Right. They were playing at a pizza parlor down the street. Uh, but about six months later, they changed their name to the Grateful Dead. And that was Jerry Garcia giving us lessons. Amazing. I mean, to think that's where it all began for you, in a sense. Yeah. You know? And, uh, uh, people ask, uh, did you come from a musical background? Well... As a matter of fact, it did. Almost everybody in my family played or sang or danced or something. I have a cousin who went to Juilliard for dance. Oh, wow. So it kind of ran in the family. So it didn't seem out of question for me to want to be a musician. But my dad rightly said, well, do whatever you want to do, but go to school to learn how to do it. You know, so after high school, he wanted me to go to college. I said, well, yeah. Dad, they don't teach rock and roll in college. He said, no, they teach music. If you really love music, you should go on Okay, and so he drove me over to enroll in local college, and I loved it. And it wasn't because the teachers were so hip, but they were so enthusiastic, it was just infectious, and I I loved going. And one of the kids in one of my classes sitting next to me 
turned out to be Johnny Cola, who years later went on to play sax and Huey Lewis on the news. Wow. So I, didn't know I, that. I give that advice to young musicians. You know, go to school. You never know who you're going to be sitting next to in class. Right. Do you find, I know that uh, you have a long friendship with Tom, obviously. You've been in the band a long time. Do you find the connection between music and math? I mean, I always hear that. Uh, I hear that a lot, too. And uh, so, of course, he was uh, a mechanical engineer at MIT, and he got a job, of for Polaroid uh, after that. And so, yeah, he's definitely good at math. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm trying to think, you know, of course, after all these years, perhaps all musicians are good at math, but I don't know that. And, and <laughs> so uh, you, you can't, say, can't say for sure, you know, like... Certainly, you know, I've met Eddie Van Halen, uh, you know, many times because of my connection with Sammy Hagar, of course. Right. And I, I never remember Eddie sitting down and doing, the, you know, a lot of math homework. Right, but geometry. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I always find as some of the most talented musicians are just really intellectual, like they do a lot of things. And I loved reading about your backstory, especially how you got involved in the band. Could you talk a little bit about how that all came about? Sure. Well, you're right. I was always a geek in our band. So, uh, again, well, I played in Sammy Hager's band, and uh, I joined in 77. And almost one of the first dates we did was to uh, open up the end of Boston's first tour. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I saw Tom with all kinds of cool things on stage. And, Tom, what's this over here? And what's the, how do you get that cool sound? What's this? And he was nice enough to tell me what he was inventing and uh, putting together to get those great Boston sounds. And we, we kept in touch over the years. In fact, uh, he started his own electronics company and was uh, selling guitar products. And I actually went to a trade show for him uh, while I was still in Sammy Hager's band to demonstrate some of these products. And so uh, then in 85, when Sammy got called to join Van Halen, mm -hmm. Tom called me and said, yeah, I'm trying to finish the third stage album. There's one more song to be recorded with you. I heard you're out of the gig. Would you come down here and uh, help me uh, finish this? And, I left from my last gig with Sammy, which was Farm Aid One out in Champaign, Illinois, and flew directly from there to Boston to start working with Tom. Amazing. I wasn't out of work for a day. How lucky could a guy get? You must have just been like, pinch me. Is this real? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's a dream come true. Tell me about the current tour. How did this all come about with Joan Jett? We were offered uh, other bands and all that, you know, yeah. as it happens. And so, first, you know, I'm trying to figure out, well, what, what would be a good band to... Uh, to be on the bill, to share the bill with. And we've been on, you know, built with uh, some great bands over the years. And uh, But we had never worked with Joan before. And so she was available, at, and I say she's uh, doing the second half of the tour with us. We're, right now, we are halfway through the tour. Amazing. So she's just about to start with us. So it just turned out that her schedule works. And the other side of it is uh, Joan is also a vegetarian, like uh, Tom mm -hmm. and myself are. Interesting. So uh, we had a kindred spirit there, right, right there, and yeah. of course, I, I, I've heard that she loves rock and roll. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> yeah, and and she's and she's not afraid of a bad reputation, so this could be a wild tour. <laughs> <laughs> she's amazing, and I grew up listening to both of you. So tell me, how long have you been a vegetarian? Because I'm a vegetarian, and I know it makes a huge impact on my energy, just how I live my life. Well, actually, uh, after I got out of uh, high school and was going to college, uh, I needed a place to stay for a while, and I moved in with my sister, and then she had worked at a health food store, as they called them back then, mm -hmm. and so she said, oh, you should be a vegetarian because that's, you know, it's so, so much more healthy, you know, it's just a health thing. 
And I said, okay, sure, I'll try that. And so for about the six, nine months or so I was uh, living at her place, I was a vegetarian. And I felt fine. I, you know, I didn't feel any different one way or the other, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Okay. And, uh, but then once I moved out, I was back to burgers and fries. <laughs> but, but then uh, a few years later, uh, we heard about the veal crates where they, they keep young calves oh, and, and crates. Because, oh, that sounds terrible. Awful. So I don't need to eat veal. That's not big on my list of you know dietary things anyway. So right. I, I stopped that. And then, again, I was in San Hagers then, and he had read a book called Eat to Win. Oh. And it was about how a lot of athletes carve up for the big game and, and this and that. So it was a low-protein, high-carbohydrate diet, which, okay. of course, was the opposite of other diets that have come along in the past. And right. also, uh, but anyway, so I said, okay, yeah, I can go for that. And so uh, I was sort of halfway there to be a vegetarian. And then when I joined Boston, both Tom and Brad at the time were vegetarians for animal rights reasons. Oh, and so, okay. you know, after looking at that, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, so I, so our, our first tour with, uh, that I was with with Boston was 87, mm-hmm. and uh, we had our own chef with us. And I don't know what he was making, but it was all that uh, tasted fantastic. Oh, I bet. I <laughs> so bet. I've been doing it ever since. So that's 30 years now. 30 years. Wow. And Joan Jett, I mean, that works out perfectly, you know. Yeah, different sense. <laughs> Somebody said she's probably going to be uh, having dinner with us every night because we've got the chef with us on the road. Oh, my gosh. I would love to. Okay, I'm going to come crash your dinner. (laughs) (laughs) So I understand at age 60, and people probably don't know this, you climbed to the top of the Half Dome in Yosemite Park. Yes. Now, uh, of course, some people don't know what that is or where it is or that sort of thing. But, yeah, Yosemite, of course, is a wonderful national park in California. And uh, I had lived in California, California since I was about 12, and my wife and I met there uh, in uh, California, and we loved going to Yosemite as teenagers. And so when it got time for us to get married, we said, well, let's get married there, because that's our favorite place to go. Aww. And so that little chapel in the valley, that's where we got married. So nice. And so, of course, there were mountains all around, Half yeah. Dome being one of them. And we, we never even considered hiking them. <laughs> Because those are, you know, huge mountains, that, you know, sure. a, a 5,000 foot uh, elevation change from the valley. And mm-hmm. there's no shortcut, you know, you got to go up 5,000 feet. Yes. And, of course, you know, it's not straight up, so uh, the distance is about 15 miles, you know, up and down. Mm-hmm. So we never even thought about doing it. I had, uh, you know, read about it over the years, and there is a trail, of course, and I said, gosh, you know, I'm going to do that. And so I was in my 50s. I said, but I'm going to wait till I'm 60. Just like I say, when I was 60, <laughs> I climbed that mountain. And uh, the last bit of it is over very steep and split granite rock, that dome up at the top. And, of course, it's conical. It's, you know, spiritual shape. And so uh, there's a, a steel guide wire that you can hang on to as you're going up. And I'll tell you, I was hanging on for dear life going up that thing. And, and that was the, the i got to say, that was the most scared I'd ever been in my life. I can't imagine. Going up this thing. And there, was, there were people going up and going down on, on the, on the uh, cables, as they call them. And there was a girl coming down on the other side. And it's kind of slow going up because that's the one bottleneck of the whole trip. You know, that mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of waiting for other people to move up and, sure. move, and move down. And, and this girl stops. I look over next to her and... And she's got tattoos on her arm. It looks kind of tough, you know, like a pretty, yeah. pretty beefy girl. Right. And she goes, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm doing okay, but man, I cannot look down. No. And she goes, 
hey, on my way up, I was crying. Oh. And the people with me luckily kept me going. He said, it's worth it. Keep going. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, what a pep so talk. I, yeah, I Oof. did. And uh, I had my two sons with me. My, my wife said, I don't think I can make it. But <laughs> the two boys and I went and we, we made it to half down. Unbelievable. I love that story. By the way, are your sons musical? They were when they were in high school, mm-hmm. uh, and they played a little bit and still, you know, have fun with it. Yeah. But thank goodness they weren't as uh, crazy as me thinking that they could make <laughs> a living out of it. Because <laughs> it's, it's such a tough business to, to make a living at. And, oh, yeah. Uh, again, how lucky am I to be in one of the top bands ever? But so many of my friends that I grew up with were terrific musicians, great guitar players, great singers, and just weren't, you know, lucky to be in the right place at the right time with the right thing that, that some band needed. You know? right. So you know, I, was, I was very fortunate. In fact, the other story I tell young musicians is, they say, well, how'd you get that first big break you know, to join Sammy Hagar's band? Sure. Said, well, uh, again, I was living in the San Francisco area where he was as well. And uh, we had common friends, and so I, I got to you know talk to him and uh, to see if I could do an audition with him. And he said, hey, Pio, are you into drugs? Because this is the 70s, right? right? You know, sure. a lot of people were on the drugs at right. the time. And I said, well, no, no, I'm not. Uh, mm-hmm. Why? He said, well, let's come down to jam with us. And as it turned out, the first guitar player OD'd on drugs. Oh, so man. It was, you know, tragic story. Yeah. So he was obviously looking for somebody that was not in right. drugs. So I, I tell that to, to young musicians because, you know, what do they do? They think, oh, yeah, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Right. right. No, completely, so, you know, yeah. waste your life. Yeah. Yeah, so we've lost a few along the way. I know, I know. What does it feel like? Here you're, you know, you're calling me from the tour bus, right? Yeah. Okay, it's 2017. What does this feel like to be on tour for so many years? You're in this bus, and here you, you know, you're coming towards L.A. I know you have a big show on the 16th. How does it feel? You know, again, I feel like the luckiest guy in the world. If you were to ask me when I was 16... Uh, you know, do you think you'll still be playing guitar 50 years later when you're 66? I would have said, no way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, nice. uh, yeah, here I am, uh, again, with a terrific band, you know, and people ask, you get tired of playing the same songs every night? Uh, as well, I would if I had to sit in my living room and play them, but you stand up on stage, look out in the audience, and people are smiling and singing along, you know, and the chorus comes from more of a feeling. But the whole place is singing louder than the band. More of a feeling. I, I tell you, I get, I still get choked up. It's such a wonderful feeling to, to be doing that. So, uh, again, I, I feel so fortunate. It is, because I remember listening at 12 when I first heard about the album, and I just would play it over and over, and it was never the same. I mean, you just, you know, it, it made such an impact, and it helps, obviously, music helps you through all kinds of ups and downs and growing up. And I was going to ask you, visually, the show is mind-blowing. I mean, how did that whole look evolve? Well, uh, again, that's that's the time show. In fact, uh, just to, to backtrack one little bit about mm-hmm. the music, yeah, here it is 40 years later, and the songs that he wrote then still mean something to, of course, those people, but, but new people as well. Yeah, yes. when, you know, people hear it for the first time, they say, wow, that, I really relate to that song. I, I love that song. That, right. that means something to me. And so, yeah, he, he definitely has... Uh, had you know had written some great songs and, and continues to. Yes. In fact, he's written some new music to go along with some new visual effects that he invented for this tour. Beautiful. So people that come to see us will see and hear things that they've never seen or heard on a Boston tour before. Amazing. So it, it's, 
It is pretty fantastic stuff. Wait till you see it. Oh, I can't wait. I mean, I was blown away when I saw you a year ago. I, I don't think I've smiled for that many hours and just oh. been in awe. It's, uh, it's, it's really an amazing show. Oh, well, thanks so much. And again, we've got uh, some great musicians here with us. And, and so, it, it, again, it's a real pleasure to, to work with everybody. Anything else you want to add about the show or, you know, anything you'd like people to know about? Be prepared to sing along. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you will. I mean, you, you can't help it. You know, you, uh, the songs come along and it's like, yeah, all of a sudden I see people in the audience singing along. And it's like, it, again, it's infectious. Awesome. And as we get closer to the holidays, I'd love you to come back on if you want to and talk about December People. You want to just share a little bit about that? Yes, uh, December People is my charity band. Every show we do is a benefit for a local food bank or some other charity cause. And what we play are traditional holiday songs, but in the styles of classic rock bands. Mm -hmm. So we'll do White Christmas the way Billy Idol does White Wedding. You know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. (laughs) And we do everybody from ACDC to Led Zeppelin, ZZ Top, Santana, Dewey, Boston... Journey goes on and on. But again, they're the traditional holiday song. So we'll start a song that sounds like The Who doing Pinball Wizard. But instead of that, we go into Joy to the World, the Lord. And so the whole audience gets the joke. And they can sing along because they know these songs. Everybody grew up with those things. And and so it's just a lot of fun. And and the fact that it's a benefit for their local community. And that that was our whole concept is to give back to the local food bank there. Fantastic. So it's yeah, wonderful uh, opportunity for us to do that every year. And as far as the tour schedule for that, is that all up on your website? Uh, not on the Boston website. There is a December People website, so okay. obviously DecemberPeople.com. And I know there's still uh, trying to arrange shows because, you know, it's just uh, June. So there may or may not be anything up there at the moment, but uh, they're certainly working on it. Perfect. Yeah, as we get close to the holidays, we can maybe reconnect, and I would love to talk more about it and put up the tour schedule. Please, we'd be glad to. Can't wait to uh, come to the show. I know you're coming to the L.A. area, coming to the Greek Theater June 16th. I look forward to it. And your website is bandboston.com. Okay, perfect. same thing with Facebook. It's facebook.com slash bandboston. Awesome. Gary, thanks so much for taking the time to call in. Thank you, Janine. We'll see you real soon. All right, that's a wrap for this week's show. If you want to follow me on Twitter, just visit moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. I'm also on Facebook at Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. The show blog is getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. And if you'd like to find out about being a guest, just send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at kuci.org. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.